This is a Dynamike Network podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Max Destruction Podcast. As always, I am Ken, uh, and joined back with me by popular demand, uh, Scotty Camacho. How you doing, buddy? By popular demand? That's right. I mean, really, it's me, but yeah. No, no. Hey, you know, we go back to your first, your initial response <laughs> by popular demand. Yes. I love it. I mean, love it. Sounds great. Sounds great. Um, so we figured we had had so much fun doing kind of the comic booky stuff, uh, that we were going to bring back, uh, a matchup that we did one side of it a couple of weeks back. Uh, and we're going to do the other side of a very, very popular action movie. Uh, this episode, I'm pretty excited about it. I know Scott is, but we'll get to that in a minute. But before we actually do that, Scott, I feel like we need to do a wham. Wham. I love these. All right. So this week's wham uh, actually comes from uh, Joseph Garcia, uh, where he threw Tyler Durden down, uh, which honestly I'm shocked it took as long as it did to get into a wham. Uh, But I'll go ahead and read off some of the answers, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, we got Big Chris uh, from Lockstock Two Smoking Barrels, uh, John Shooter from Secret Window, Drop Dead Fred, which <laughs> I, I, I give I give some some money to, uh, and then some guy Macho Six One Six Seven One decided he wanted to throw his hat in the ring. Uh, Boyeka from Undisputed, Van Dam from Lionheart, Chung Lee from Bloodsport, and The Vanisher from Deadpool too. Now you can't use your own, but go ahead, Scott. Tell me what do you think of some of those answers? Oh man, of course my answers were the best ones. But oh my gosh, um, I would have to go John Shooter. I think that's a solid one right there. And who, who made that? Strasky? Of course he did. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you two compete on a weekly basis on, on some of the better answers from the Whams. Uh, I did also like Drop Dead Fred, you know, playing up on the, the imaginary person uh, <laughs> game. Uh, John Shooter is really good. So maybe we'll see them uh, come up in a duel here later uh, and stick around for the end of this episode when we drop another Wham. Now, Scott, before we get into it, of, of course, we got to bring in our third co-host, uh, Francis. Uh, Francis, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Max Destruction fans, I am here to inform you that Geo is no longer with us. Unfortunately for him, certain debts came due. Let's be fair, though, his heart wasn't really in this business. As a result, I am now going to be bringing you a more honest, and some might even say classy, perspective as the new third host of this program. Ken, if you know what is good for you, you will look the other way on this. Be seeing you. And always terrifying, uh, 
uh, is Hugh Francis. Uh, well done, my friend. As All right, Scott. Uh, who do we have this week uh, on our docket for this duel? One of my faves, actually both movies. These, these characters are amazing. It's pretty much epitomized the law enforcement community of the mid late nineties. And we're talking about Martin Riggs from lethal weapon versus judge Joseph dread. Stallone version, might add. <laughs> yeah, we we decided we had to go with the the Stallone version on this one because even though we both know that the newer Dread, uh, Carl Urban's Dread, is probably the more superior or more comic book accurate, uh, Stallone's was just over the top. Uh, that's another reference to another Stallone movie. Um, <laughs> was 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 the kind of crazy you need when you're going up against, I'd say pure Martin Riggs. So like lethal weapon one and two, before he started to kind of calm down or, you know, get older, um, peak Martin Riggs, Mel Gibson. I can't wait to get into it. Uh, the, these two are nuts, uh, and it is going to be great. Um, before we actually get into their stats, though, we have to explain how we do that, which, Francis, go ahead and take it away, the tale of the cocoa butter. On Max destruction, the hosts use a semi-idiotic method called the tale of the cocoa butter as a clever device to provide character backstories, much like Rogan does at the UFC. The hosts go through their respective characters' backgrounds, abilities, and equipment to provide the best possible description for the listeners, if these guys were to just use your run-of-the-mill standards, they couldn't really claim to be an action character podcast, could they? All right, Scott, why don't you go ahead and drop some knowledge on Judge Joseph I Am The Law Dread? Judge Joseph Dredd. Um, it's hard to pinpoint... His story because it's it gets modified between the movies and comics, media in general. But the the main synopsis of it in the year twenty one thirty nine, the Earth has changed into a virtual virtual inhabited place called the Cursed Earth. All the population on Earth have crowded into super cities across the planet known as megacities. And the crimes in these megacities have become so violent and the criminals so powerful that the justice system is powerless to contain it. Therefore, a new justice system was created. And therefore, the police force can implement the three justice systems in one police jury and executioner they are called the juggers in uh, mega city one formerly known as new york city one who was the most famous is judge joseph dread who is the toughest and most um strategic judge in history and one day um, he was charged with murder was tried, sentenced to life from prison, and then the movie takes off from there. Um, the the I know the stories kind of break off to um, 
he and I love the fact that he's twin. I mean, he says he's clone, but um, by definition, he's twin. Um, he's been created out of the DNA of past chief justices, or um, if you, i.e., the, the comics go with the chief justice Fargo, was the guy who basically created the judge system. But um, he turned out to be the ideal judge, and then his twin brother Rico turned out to be the ideal criminal. But um, he's been practicing or being trained in law enforcement ever since the age of five. From anything to weapons handling, vehicles, and hand-to-hand um, um, -hand combat. And then supposedly when we're starting to watch the movie, he's at the age of 38. So this guy has seasons under his belt as law enforcement. I mean, when you come up to that first scene when they're having the big block war and then Judge Hersey is calling for backup, who shows up? Judge Dredd standing in the middle of the fight, not taking any rounds whatsoever as there's guns going back and forth. With this famous line, I am the law, and these streets are under arrest. As everyone is taking cover, he already knows the trajectory of every bullet. He knows the maximum effective range and knows that he is safe in that particular area. It is insane. I love that. I love this character. This guy is what I try to embody every time I was doing law enforcement in the military. If you ask all my shipmates around, any chance I got to put a helmet on where they had a visor down, you bet your ass I was going to go out and do that freaking law enforcement with that. Um, the weapons he's coming with, oh my gosh. I, it's hard to believe this guy had the only really body armor he had was his helmet. I mean, um, watching the movie, that sh the, the awesome looking shoulder pads and the leot blue leotard he's running around with don't really do much protection, but uh, the arsenal, oh my gosh, the, the main one, the lawgiver, pistol with freaking the U.S. arson in its clip with God knows how, what, what type of rounds in there, signal flares, high explosives, heat seekers, um, his, his, um, Main rounds, they call them execution rounds. Um, he has a shotgun, um, automatic rifle, doesn't really need to use those. Um, vehicle use the lawmaster with his twin cannons on that. Now, see, can I say all of these, but these are just tools. The one thing that matters is the law. That is Judge Joseph Dredd, my friend. It's funny, like going back and 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 rewatching these. So, like Lethal Weapons, like a yearly watch for me, right? Like I try to go back and watch the the four at least once a year. Um, you know, going back and watching the first Lethal Weapon, it wasn't that much of a chore. Going back and rewatching Dread, I it it took me back to when I was a kid and first saw the movie, right? Like you know, all the the descriptive you know pieces that you're hitting on, like. The fact that Dread in the comic was defined as he never took his helmet off, like because he was the law. That was it. That he was a judge. That was all he was. 
uh, but Stallone had to, you know, show off the, the money maker. So he took the helmet off like every single scene. You know, the fact that it's like twins uh, version of what twins are. You know, you got Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger is like Sly Stallone and Armand DeSante as as the twins in, in the film. Like you, you get all the great Superman justice, you know, embodied in Sly Stallone. And then you get Criminal, which is Armand DeSante, which I, you know, I, I think it, it's it's probably fair. I mean, he's a sly dude like Armando Sante, you know, in every other film I've ever seen the guy in, he is, he is, he is sly and cunning. So like, it, it, I think it kind of works out. Um, Rob Schneider playing the, the, you know, comic relief and the, the entire movie. Idea. just really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, you know, it's, it's one of those films that you got to go back and go, you know, for the time that was peak, Stallone, right? Like he, he had to embody, you know, the super burly, awesome guy, uh, and dread just kind of fit that mold for what it was. Um, so I can't wait to see what happens when you, my friend go up against detective Martin Riggs. Uh, and I will go ahead and bring his stuff down. So Martin Riggs was born, uh, October 16th, 1949. And is a police officer in the LAPD, uh, he was a member of the U.S. Army Special Forces until 1969. He uh, married a woman named Victoria Lynn in 1973 and joined the LAPD soon after getting back from Vietnam. Uh, after Victoria's death, Riggs fell into a deep depression with his job as a police officer being the only thing keeping him from committing suicide. Uh, he received specialized training in the Special Forces in weaponry and hand-to-hand combat. These skills would later serve him well as a police officer. Most of Riggs' time in Special Forces was in Vietnam, where he served as an assassin under the CIA's Phoenix Project Directive. While his ability as a trained killer would later plague his conscience, he thought of it as the only thing he was really good at. Apparently, he knew one of the main antagonists from the first film, Mr. Joshua, from the war, but never had close contact. Uh, Later in his life, uh, his wife... Victoria Lennon is implied by Riggs himself that she was one of the only good things in his life, uh, the other being his occupation as a police officer that kept his life together and going. However, in 1984, after 11 years of marriage, Victoria is killed in a seemingly tragic car accident, which we find out later in Lethal Weapon 2 it was actually a ploy trying to kill him, uh, sending him into a deep depression. Driven off the brink of grief with anger and ha- only having his dog, which was a border collie, for company, he regularly puts himself and anyone else around him in harm's way, secretly hoping someone will put him out of his misery, something he has been able, unable to do himself. This total disregard for his safety gives him an edge over his enemies, turning him into a quote-unquote lethal weapon. Now, in the first film is when you meet up with Martin Riggs. He finally gets you know, put in with uh, Roger Murtaugh, you know, the seasoned grizzled, and you come to find out he was like 39 supposedly in that film where you're sitting here, you know, in middle age yourself going, wow, I guess I'm now too old for this shit as well. Um, it makes you really sad when you go back and rewatch it, but like, you know, that having these two characters play off of themselves. So you have the grizzled vet that, you know, is, is established. He's, you know, he's been doing this forever. He's getting ready for retirement. I mean, even his gun, like he uses a Smith and West model 17, you know, revolver, you know, he is old, 
you know, and established. And then you have Martin Riggs, who's that young gun, you know, loose cannon in every, every form of, of that, that term is this character. You know, he's, he's highly versed in martial arts. He knows Kung Fu, he knows karate. You know, he uses a Beretta 92 alpha, which is for that time, like the newest gun, uh, for police, uh, which really was just our sidearm in, in the military up until about, you know, four years ago when we finally moved on from that piece of crap. Um, it's funny, like everyone in the movies is like, oh my God, it's such a cool gun. No, it's not. It really isn't. That's only because military grade, uh, is shit. Um, comparatively, uh, so very interestingly enough, but that's, that's what, you know, Riggs brings to the fight is he brings it, uh, he carries it in his waistband, which is incredibly dangerous. And I would never do it because you're either going to shoot an ass cheek or a testicle off, uh, which is never good. You know, don't do that when you're carrying folks. That's, that's your, your concealed carry uh, tidbit of the day. Uh, in addition to never his, your uh, pistol at your other pistol. Yes. This is very true uh, to, you know, in, in addition to his pistol uh, and, you know, his martial arts training, he is a gifted sniper. Uh, so he is going to be bringing his uh, Winchester Model 700 uh, chambered in 308 uh, to this fight. Riggs is is the epitome of a, a, a firecracker, right? So he does have strategic reasoning, uh, but only in so far as if he can get his target out far, uh, and he's in that kind of mood, he's going to take the shot. Uh, but otherwise, if that, if this battle gets up and close, he wants to put hands on because he wants to know who really is the best. Uh, and I can't wait to see how the law goes up against LAPD's crazy in this fight. Uh, and it's going to be great. Uh, before we get into our simulated fight, though, why don't we go ahead and have Francis explain how we do this. Francis? The hosts believed that the next best thing to creating an irrefutable method to decide things like a coin flip would be hacking into AJ9K, the AI that those dynamic dual fools, sorry, upstanding gentlemen use. Once hacked, the guys input statistics for the subjects of this week's fight including strength, fighting style, and most importantly, humor. The stats are then compared 1,000 times, presenting a final result to determine the ultimate victor. To avoid boring your ears off with a numbers game, the hosts have elected to present a speculation on how one of the fights might play out for your listening pleasure. Despite my best efforts, it seems that every speculation manages to occur within the vicinity of the safe house that I find my way to. Fortunately, the environment isn't relevant to the simulations. I mean, fortunate for them and you, it sucks for me. Scotty, it's very interesting. Like, I'm so used to saying geo <laughs> and, and wanting to say it. Uh, but when you have Francis here, you know, you, you kind of get, you know, a little classy. It's, you know, we're classing the joint up. You know, new co-hosts all around. It's going to be great. And, you know, stop by the deli and get a nice cold cut. But, hey, France. Francis is slowly taking over the world. I'm, I, I'm like good with the it. Generation Z. I mean, it, having kids, you and I both do, uh, you know, seeing this new generation coming up and, you know, if you, you again, start feeling like that, that I'm that old guy now, like where everything's like you, 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 you young kids and your iPads and your, you didn't understand what it was like. And they're like, okay, boomer. Uh, but you know, whatever. Yeah, we went from Riggs to Maratha. Yeah, 
We are mercy. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, it really is. But that you know, that's that's how the world works. Uh, and uh, luckily, as we've gotten older, you know, we get experience, which is I think more important than anything. Uh, Scott, so for this battle, I feel like the only appropriate place for this to take place is in Mega City One. Um, I don't. I don't feel like these two would would have any have it any other way. You know, LAPD fought in in the urban streets. Uh, it's very close to probably what Mega City One ends up being. Uh, so we will say that both of these police officers are trying to take down a, a drug kingpin or something like that, and and they actually have to go into a building um, where they. This is where they would go. Um, Scotty, who do you think would go first? Mm. Well, I know probably for a fact when they both see each other square off, it's going to be a Mexican standoff right away. Both are going to be trying to show to show. Now, obviously, you're going to get the cop vibes from Dread. He's going to be the only one geared out in uniform, and um, Riggs is going to be more than likely undercover. But um, yeah, I'd say yeah. Riggs probably in civilian clothes. He's he's got the long feathered hair, the the eighties. The uh, you know, something I, I'm gonna get. You know, once I retire. Uh, but until then, I have to keep it up close. You know, Scott Scott's got that for us, right? He's got the You're long feathered hair. Getting it done, man. Getting it done. I made sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So more than likely, I would say Dread thinks he's just another perp. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. In this, you know, Riggs is going to try to identify himself, but seeing that, you know, more than likely Riggs had to do some shady stuff. Very likely he probably broke a law or two just to continue on his his undercover work. Uh, so he's going to, like, try to signal that he's he's peace officer too, but at the same time he's, he's like, inching for his gun uh, waiting to see what happens. <laughs> well, as soon as um, Dredd, I got to get into the voice as soon as dread <laughs> starts to see that he's going to say easy hot shot. And then Riggs is going to respond. What did you say? And then judge is going to be like, I said hot shot, in which case lawgiver is going to turn into a hot shot round and fire it right at Riggs, disabling the weapon and destroying it completely. Now he's without a gun. And so this, I, in this yeah. case, dread's going to go in for the arrest. So you know the the round's going to hit the his Beretta and it's it's going to drop like and he's going to be very confused because it looks like a pistol, uh, but somehow it was able to shoot, fire like a, a incendiary round of some type. Um, so Riggs is going to understand one. He's in a he's in a completely different vibe. He doesn't really understand what's going on. Uh, so as Dred's coming in for the arrest, Riggs is probably going to do like a standing sidekick or something right to Dred's chest. Uh, trying to back him off so that he can make his way out. So he is not going to immediately come in for for the fight, uh, just understanding that he is outgunned at this point. So he is actually going to make his way into a neighboring room where he has set up his rifle, uh, and he is going to sit there behind the rifle waiting for Dredd to come through the door. Awesome. Now, Dredd is not, not opposed to taking down a room. So... He's going to get the high X round, going to blow the door. Now we got dust and debris flying in Riggs' face. And then he's going to call out for signal flare and is going to shoot the flare right into the room, blinding 
any any chance of Riggs trying to take aim, and he's going to rush the room and then straight up tackle Riggs down to the ground, doing some some MMA ground pound, finishing it off with a headbutt from his helmet. So as Dredd is doing that, once he comes like to get the uh, that final like pull on the arrest, he realizes he's actually ma- you know macking down on a like a drug dealer or something that Riggs had actually set up prior to, you know, cause that's where all of his buddies were at. And at that point, uh, Riggs is going to let loose two rounds from his 308, knocking out Lawgiver. Uh, cause he's now seen that this thing is, is, is way more technologically advanced than he's ever seen. So he's going to lose two rounds from his, his rifle to knock out Lawgiver and put one round into the shoulder of dread, trying to spin him out. Uh, after he fires off those two rounds, he realizes it's likely going to have to come down to a, a hand-to-hand fight. So then he's going to rush the room uh, and and go in for like a, a flying kick or something like that. Now, Dredd, seeing the flying kick, he's going to sidestep it. He's going to remove his his shoulder pads off. He's going to square up and be like, come get some. And so they straight up, and of course, Riggs is going to be, um, just say, going to be have have the distance game with them, especially with the, the kick distance. And Dredd is going to want to close that distance and bring it in close. Um, as soon as he sees Riggs goes for any one of those kicks, he's going to jump in close, grab him by by that beautiful fluffy hair, and then drive his head into. I'm not going to say concrete wall. I'm not going to do that. We're going to do, you know, some some fiberglass stuff right in there. He's going to bang him right at head in the wall. And then he's going to dislocate that right shoulder of Riggs and then drop him down to the ground and ask him if he had enough. So Riggs is not uh, unfamiliar with dealing with dislocated shoulders. He's done it like every single movie, you know, usually as a bet to get out of a straight jacket or something. So as he's hit the ground, you know, he's going to, you know, go, you, you think you're crazy. You should see crazy. Uh, and that's when he's going to slam that shoulder against the, round, the ground, you know, popping it back into socket. Uh, in which time he's going to like spin out uh, from the face down area that he is in, uh, landing an uppercut directly to Dred's groin. Uh and more than likely, Dred's not going to like move because you know he's he's just the law. He's not even a human being. Uh, but that that time, Riggs is going to go in for a couple of uh, nerve center punches. So going from the side to the hip to the core, once into the sternum, trying to drive this mountain of a man back. So. Right now, Dredd is going to probably be on the ground on his knees right now. I know I would after a nut shot. I mean, that's cheap. <laughs> it's very cheap. But um, Dredd is going to give that brooding look again. again the helmet miraculously stays on. So all you see is his <laughs> brooding lips. So he's looking up at Riggs. Um, he goes in for a single leg, and then he just back body drops Riggs right behind him. There just so happens to be a wooden coffee table because in all these movies, there is a wooden coffee table and Riggs breaks right through it. Um, He turns Riggs around. He gets um, 
both arms behind his back and um, gets him cuffed right away. So, you know, yes, there's always a coffee table, at least one or two coffee tables, like, and plaster and glass and things of that nature. You know, it's probably one of those ornate ones, which is weird for Mega City because it's supposed to be, like, dilapidated, but it's, like, a really ornate coffee table. Uh, so Riggs feels himself getting cuffed. Um, but at that exact moment when, you know, Dredd feels like he's probably got this, Riggs is actually going to free one of his hands and then cuff dread to the other hand. So now they're cuffed together in which case he's throwing the key out the window and right behind it, he's pulling dread through the window with him and orienting the, the, the drop so that dread hits the ground first, either killing him or disabling him enough that Riggs can finish the match by arresting him. No one is going to arrest Dredd. I mean, we saw that in the courthouse scene. The evidence was falsified. He did not break the law. <laughs> he is the law. But um, no, at, at this point, when you know, Dredd's going to look at his wrist. He sees a cuff and he goes, attempting to cuff an officer of the law. And impersonating an officer of the law that's going to be 20 years nicely cubes but since it's me i will be your executioner for this one so he does a little flick of the wrist grabs rigs puts them uh gives them um, a fireman's carry right on his shoulders and why not it's plastered wall he's going to run right through the raw and then into another room. We're in a brand new room now. There just happens to be a coffee table in that one, too. So he's going to drop back with the small one and drop, crushing Riggs on that table. And then breaking Riggs's wrist where he can slip that cuff off. And then in his Batman utility belt, he has another pair of cuffs. We're going to cuff Riggs then. All right, so either Riggs is able to drop him out a window using you know the, the the gravity and his own weight against him, or Dred's just going to body him through another room into another coffee table and arresting him. Either way, somebody's getting arrested. Uh, and Scotty, I think that's where we will end the match right there. Uh, I can't wait to see kind of how this shakes out, but always fun to see two cops, especially two crazy people, uh, go at a fight. Uh, before we get into the results, though, of course, Francis is going to explain what our destruction spectrum is. Francis? It's time for the destruction spectrum, or as I like to call it, collateral damage that makes just a modicum of sense. Here, the hosts take the character's destruction potential and rate it on a scale of one to five. To put it bluntly, it's how much collateral damage they can cause before the National Guard has to step in be it a barroom brawl or a world-ending nuclear holocaust, the hosts will persevere and provide you with this valuable information because, let's face it, this is why you're here. All right, Scotty. So we have two people that are absolutely not opposed to property destruction. I mean, Riggs destroyed an entire 
apartment that was on stilts using his truck and a chain in the second movie. Uh, and Dredd blows up city blocks uh, with his lawgiver. How do you feel like this destruction spectrum would go? Especially with the arsenal already in um, Dredd's hand. I'm going to give it, it's a high three for me. Not not to the point of, I know he can take down C, but they're not intentionally to unless the, the block is beyond um, redeemable. So I'm going to give it a high three. Yeah, I'd say that's probably true. I mean, Riggs only will do that much property destruction only if it's funny uh, or it's required to by like some kind of moral code. Uh, so I kind of doubt that they would get past the three. Uh, I would say maybe a three and a half uh, at most, just depending on what kind of ammunition Dredd uses. So solid picks, my friend. All right. So before we get to the results, finally, though, we should do next week's Wham. Wham. All right. So because... It is still extremely snowy outside. Um, I was actually thinking that we should do wampas, which are the space creature that tried to eat Luke and ended up eating the Tauntaun uh, in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, So, folks, go ahead and drop your answers for the wampa on this week's Wham. Scott, do you have any issues with that? No, not at all. That is a good, great thing. Freaking wampas. All right, man. So let's go ahead and get to the results. Okay, so the results are in for the Dread versus Riggs matchup. And the winner of this week's fight is Riggs. Uh, 73% to 26%. And I will kind of explain why. Dread had the strength and damage level to the T. I mean, he really did. Riggs is way more evasive, uh, both movement, just eva- general evasiveness, uh, and he had the strategic intelligence kind of to a point. Um, so Dread, while has the ability of pulling in like the law and all of his extra people, he is a one-man show. Like, he will flat refuse to have anyone help him. He'd much rather do everything himself. Uh, and also, let, let's be honest, Riggs, way funnier than Dredd. Probably, yeah. I still <laughs> am going to ask for a recount on that election right there. Uh, and man, he, that, is your, that is your... <laughs> That is that is your prerogative, my friend, and that's the great thing about this show is that we are always happy to do recounts, uh, and we actually am thinking about starting to uh, publish said results so people don't think that I'm just kind of going, yeah, this is me, I win, uh, which is not how I do things. Uh, I do things fairly, uh, unlike other people that I will uh, say will remain nameless. Yeah, ladies and gents, we are not mathematicians. So this is not coming out of our asses when we're saying this. No, not at all. Uh, I'm I'm pretty good at the at the math and the science, but not uh, strategic game theory. All right, so Scott, I think we should unveil who we are going to be going against next week, and I'm very excited about this. And this is a matchup that 
is of the ages that one, I didn't really think we were going to do until I really sat down and was trying to figure out who would go against RoboCop. And when I thought about it, I pulled out a gym, Wolf Cop. So that's right, folks. Next week, we will be battling RoboCop versus Wolf Cop. And because I am such a benevolent host of this show, Scotty will be representing RoboCop. Yes, sir. I've always wanted to be a police officer of some sort growing up. And I could tell you, it was Judge Dredd and RoboCop was the other one. Now, in this age right now, that's probably a bad example of police officers. But I tell you what, I loved it to a T. And that's it was has always been my persona going into the police work. Uh, it's outstanding, and I can't wait to to roll through that. Um, if for no other reason, I get to play Wolf Cop, uh, which I mean, it, it's kind of like uh, you know, Kung Fu Hustle for me. You know, it's it's one of those films that you you love to you love to see. So we will do that next week. Uh, Before we get out of here, make sure that you are subscribed and like our podcast. We are growing. Uh, I'd like to continue to see that grow. Uh, We are bringing in new content and kind of uh, new spins on some things. And I can't wait to see where we go next. Uh, Before we get out of here, Scott, you got anything for the, for the audience? No, happy to be here again. And I'm hoping for it to be a permanent thing be the Ken and Scott show. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously I finally got a DC fan. Uh, so we have to roll that way. Uh, so it will likely be a permanent thing until, you know, you, you, you upset me or Francis and Francis will handle that. So, uh, until next week, guys, we will see you later. Uh, enjoy. Hopefully it starts warming up where you guys are at. Uh, I know I'm probably screwed. So, uh, until then later on guys. Love, peace, and chicken grease.